So, how uh, how's everybody doing here? Middle, almost post, hopefully, COVID-19-ish stuff. How many are tired of hearing that? Ah, I can't wait to see this building full again. All of you online, I can't wait till you're able to come back and you feel safe enough to do that. But in the meantime, we make the best of it, right? Life isn't always a bowl of cherries. Who, who said that? Forrest Gump. Anyway, that, that's what... Oh, life isn't a box of chocolate. Okay. The, the cherries are what's left after you suck the chocolate off. Right, because I don't eat those nasty cherries in there. But I like the chocolate. Anyway, yeah. All right, I'm going to stop there. So... While on vacation, and, and it was, we had a few days where we were able to rest. It was crazy. It was two weeks, and uh, the first week I spent trying to get my paper done, and then I went on vacation, really, because after that I was like, uh, And then this last week, and I'll share a little more about this in a minute, but we were asked to do a funeral for a friend of mine uh, on Monday in Lansing, and uh, you know, it, it was one of those moments where I felt honored to be able to do his service, and yet at the same time, it's like, aww. And he, he's just a little bit younger than me, yeah, so we're, we're all going to miss Alan. But while on vacation, we had the privilege of going down and, and staying with some relatives who happened to live on a lake. Imagine that. <clears throat> yeah, yeah. So every night, you know what we did? Pastor Barb drove the pontoon boat while Pastor Norm, right? And, and I, I felt kind of guilty, sort of, a little bit, but not really, that we were staying there for free, and I just offered, I said, look, you know, I said, if, if there's anything that you would like for us to do, just let me know. I mean, I like doing that kind of stuff when I'm on vacation, uh, so don't give me your list. But, you know, the lawn needed to be mowed, and, and I said, hey, do you have a lawnmower? And he says, yeah. He says, you'd do that? I said, sure, I'll do that. So I got his lawnmower out. He showed me how to use it. Now, it's not like I'd never used it before. Jeez. So I get behind this thing, and I, I started to mow. And you know what? Here's the cool thing. When you do something out of your heart, have you ever noticed how God blesses you for that? So I'm out there, I'm pushing that mower around on this beautiful lake, and all of a sudden, the Holy Spirit starts downloading some stuff into me for the sermon. And I'm like, I wasn't expecting it, to be honest. I'm just trying to mow his yard. And, and all of a sudden, he gives me this vision, if you will, of what he wanted me to say. And, and so I'm going to start with that today, and I'm mowing and, and I looked down, and he goes, do you see that? What are you mowing? And I, I said, well, duh, grass, mostly. And he says, all right. He says, how'd that get there? And I said, well, probably somebody years ago put it there, right? We like grass, we human beings. The green kind that grows in the yard. And I'm out there mowing, and then he said, look at that over there. And there's a hole right along the, the water's edge. There was this, it was beautiful. All these weeds popping up and little flowers blooming. 
in different places. And I'm looking at it, and I'm going, yeah, weeds. And he says, yeah. He says, here's the thing, Norm, and this is what I want you to share. All right, you ready for this? Uh-oh. Oh, I got to turn mine on, sorry. There we go. Be the weed. This is what the Holy Spirit gave me. Be the weed. Can you say that? Be the weed. Be the weed. Now, I know what you're thinking. Really, Norm? Today, they're happy weeds. I'm not talking about those. Most think of weeds as a plant that one desires to get rid of, right? And they're no use to anyone. They're, they're just a nuisance, if you will. But if you really study weeds out, and, and Barb and I have kind of fallen in love with this, not fallen in love, but we've enjoyed this uh, show called Alone. Have you, have you watched it, any of you? And you know, it's just they dump these people off in the middle of no place, literally. And they have, they have a GPS thing so they know where they're always at, and then they have a, an emergency radio, and that's it. And they're supposed to live there for however long, 100 days, half a year. Uh, some of the shows, they win a, a half a million. Others, they win a million if they can outlast everybody else. Well, one of the things we've discovered, a lot of weeds are nutritious. You wouldn't think that, right? You would always think, no, 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 no. You know, if it's going to be good for you, it's got to be like human planted. Uh-uh. God had a plan long before we began putting our own hand into it. If you really study weeds, there's a nutritious property to some, and I believe that's because God put them there. He planted them there. Some of these weeds, they blow in the wind. Have you ever watched that? Others were transported there by a duck or a goose, you know, and the seed was planted. I probably shouldn't have done that. I forget sometimes this is being videotaped. I'm sorry. Hey, I've been on vacation. I don't know what today is going to bring, but hopefully no more of that. Regardless, though, of how those plants arrived there, and here's what I want you to get. The weed itself had little to do with the location that it found itself in. Because you don't typically go out and buy a bag of weed seeds, right? Now, again, stop going there. I'm talking about the plants, not the stuff that you, but the other stuff. Because some people do buy a bag of weed seeds. This is going to be confusing if I don't settle down here. So here's the funny part, and, and this doesn't have anything to do with the message, but it does have to do kind of with weeds. Barb and I, and we've noticed this year that uh, all of these plants just took over our property. So I don't mow my yard because we have trees, and usually it's leaves all over my front yard. But this year we've got all these little green plants, and it looks really cool. I think they're weeds. I, I'm not sure, but they look awesome. And Barb said, you know, there's a plant that I keep seeing out in the woods that I just think would look great in our yard. And I looked at her and I said, which one is it? She describes it to me. So yeah, it's got these like uh, 
reddish brown things on it and it just you see it just in the wild I don't ever see it in people's yards and I said I know what you're talking about and I couldn't remember I didn't know the name of it and and then finally I I looked it up and it's it's Schumach and it's my son is highly allergic to this stuff and we're laughing at each other when we figured it out. We literally, we did not know this, all right? I guess we're not very educated when it comes to botany. But So here we have these beautiful plants that you can't get around you, or you might be itching seriously, drastically, whatever. So that was our week this last week. And we figured this out because the motel we were at had these, but it's the safe variety. There is a safe variety that looked very similar to this. We might get some of those, but not these. What's the spiritual point of this whole thing? The people in this church are here because God planted you here. Now you may think you brought yourself, but I think if you really think about it, you're probably going to realize that somebody drug you in here. The younger people would probably say that. Or husbands. Or that God turned you in here. And that's happened. I've heard that story. There was one family, and I think he's here today somewhere. And God literally, he was planning on going somewhere else. Not naming names. And he turned in here. Oh, there he is right there. And he's been here ever since. He He and his family, Brother Jeff. I'm glad you're here too, man. If we really analyze how we got here, I think we'll have to admit that God had a hand in how we ended up here. Somebody invited us, etc. Or the Holy Spirit just, you took your finger and went like this, and that's how you ended up here. God wants you to put roots down where he's planted you. And that is the the gist of what I'm going to talk about at the forefront of this message. Another thing that the Holy Spirit pointed out to me was that though we usually see weeds as inferior, the insect world doesn't discriminate. All right? So here's the thing. Like a bee, for example. A bee doesn't care if, if it's this a dandelion, or if it's somebody's beautiful hybrid roses. He could care less. All he cares about is that has the right stuff for him to pollinate, and he gets a blessing at, at the same time. He doesn't care whether it's a rose or a dandelion. The spiritual connection to this is if God has created us, and how many would admit he has? I believe he has then we need to flourish where we are planted and not worry about what everybody else is doing. There are a lot of churches that are wealthier than we are, that are bigger than we are, and there are a lot of churches that are poorer than we are and smaller than we are. That should not... When you begin to compare, it's dangerous. What you need to realize is, where has God brought you today? 
And if you're in the right place, then you need to begin to put roots down and put them down deep. God knows what you need. And here's, here's the beauty of this. God knows where you will flourish, the church where you will best be able to be you. The problem comes that we find ourselves, and a lot of people do this, they, they find themselves in a church, but they can't be themselves. They have to be somebody else. If that's what it's like for you here, then you're in the wrong place. You need to find a church that will welcome you as you are. Where you can use your gifts and your talents that God's blessed you with in honor of Him. Everything's all about Him, right? We heard that last week and the week before, and I've been hammering that. It's all about who? Jesus. Jesus, mighty God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Where was I? The spiritual connection. If God has created us, we need to grow wherever he's planted us. And here's the other thing. If this is where you find yourself, stop fighting it and grow there. Too often we keep thinking, well, this, this is, this is just, just a stopping point for me, you know? I don't really know where God wants me. I think Brother Ted might have talked about that last week. He said something about, you want something to do? Stop praying about it and just look for something. Put your hand to it. God will put it right in your face. And if you ignore it, then, well, that's up to you. But there's so much to do, so much that needs to be done in the church today. And here's the thing. And I saw a lot of these on our trip to Harbor, Copper Harbor. Stop thinking that this is just a rest stop and start treating it as though it's your home. I heard two people say amen. Can you say this with me? Stop thinking this is just a rest stop and make it your home. Thank you. That's a little better. If you're at home, I hope you're saying amen to this as well. Then the Holy Spirit pointed this out. Have you ever heard the word resiliency? Be resilient. A weed is resilient. Brother Mike's been trying to kill the weeds in the parking lot all summer. So when you go out, you look, they're still there. The only thing we haven't put on them yet is napalm. And I don't think that's legal. Why? How come these, these plants are so capable of surviving human onslaught? Because their roots go deep. Their roots go deep. You see, when you find yourself in the right place and you put roots down, Hell is not going to be able to move you. And I say that because when Jesus looked at Peter, what did he say? He said, Peter, on this rock I will build my church and the gates of hell will not 
prevail against you. Now, that rock symbolizes deep roots, a strong foundation in Jesus. You've got to have that. If you don't, then when the winds begin to blow, and believe me, this last couple of days, I knew what that was all about. If you're on Lake Superior Shore, I think it's year-round. It never, I don't think they have a calm day. It'll pick you right up. But guess what was growing all along the backside of this motel we were in? Weeds. They were thriving out there. Just, ah, da, da, da. They loved it. A little bit of wind's not going to hurt them. A little bit of drought's not going to hurt them. Why? Because their roots go deep. You still with me? Spiritual aspect. Christians need to be tough. We shouldn't be a bunch of weak need Christians who every time difficulty comes at us, we're uprooted. We should be like the weed with our roots going deep. Hallelujah. You know, I've seen a lot of people leave the church over the years. I've also seen a habit in some where they last a year, maybe two at the most. They get offended. Somebody says something, and they're like, oh, that was aimed at me. I'm leaving. I know pastors like this. (laughs) You know, the average length of time for a pastor in a church is about two years. What can you... Brother Ron, what can you accomplish in two years? They might know your name. Maybe. You hope. No, it takes time. It takes time to develop relationships, to put your roots. The pastor needs to put their roots down as well. This isn't just about you. This is the body of Christ. We're all in this. And I think Ted made it very clear last week that None of us is all that important. God can do what He wants to do without any one of us here. And you're all replaceable, so am I. (laughs) So we need to realize that. And there's a reason for that, because the P word, pride, is not something God likes. Walk in humility, realize that God could replace you at any moment, but He chooses to put you here to grow you up here so that you can be a blessing to he and others. It is. Thank you. Hallelujah. The grass is always greener on the other side. Always. I can't tell you how many times I've seen animals like horses or what have you, and and they, they go right up to the fence and they try to get their heads over to get It's the same stupid grass on both sides, but they think it's going to be more nourishing over there. Crazy. I'm not a horse, so I don't get it. I'm here to tell you, though, that if you don't put roots down, it's unhealthy. For you and for the church. All right? What makes one strong is learning to fight the enemy 
by making the words of your king the arsenal that you go to for you and your family's defense. You need to know who to go to. If you haven't figured that out yet, then you know you have a, there's a good chance you're going to be wiped out at some point. Put your roots down. Surround yourself with believers who love you and know you and will pray for you because they know your name. They know who you are. They see you at least on a weekly basis. Don't run every time you're offended. I'd go so far as to say we need permanency. We need more of this in our families, don't we? And listen, if you've been divorced, I'm I'm not picking on you. Hear my heart. We need to be permanent in our relationships. It's not just church people are bailing on, it's also their families. It's their jobs. June, you run a a restaurant. Wouldn't you love to have some of this? I know you're going to love this one. Here's another one that goes good. Loyalty. How about that, huh? Would you like this in your people? Loyalty and faithfulness. and and you You can put this in your own family. We need this in our own family. Loyalty and faithfulness. Listen, this isn't something that God suggests. This is who we need to be. Our kids need it. I I spent the weekend with some boys who don't have a dad. And I was honored to be a small part of their life, to go fishing with them. I took them out fishing one day, rented a boat, and we went out and we caught some pike. Biggest fish they'd ever caught. They had a blast. But honestly, it should have been their dad doing that. And not their grandpa, not their Papa O. They were calling me Papa O, man. That was, I was like, you can do that. Yeah, you call me Papa O. Hallelujah. Be resilient, be loyal and faithful. Plant your roots deep and flourish. All right, that's what the W-E-E-D talks about. So, I'm going by an acronym. Guess what the word is that I'm going by? Weed. So if you put a period after each one of those letters, the first one is for worship. I, I love it. It's been a while since I was in church. I actually watched online the last two weeks. I, I was in here today, and it was like the Holy Spirit was just like, <laughs> I'm over here, and I couldn't even stand up. I was just like, oh, yeah, wow. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for loving me that much that you would infuse yourself into me. Can anybody else say amen? amen. It, and it's not, it isn't the music. It's Him. The music may bring us along as it should, if it's good. 
but it's God reaching down from heaven and just saying, hey, I want you to have a little bit of me today. Rico. Is it Rico? Yeah. Hallelujah. And you're sitting there going, I want more. I want more. Don't ever be satisfied. So here's the thing. And, and this is, I read this from somebody else, but Pastor Michael Deutsch, and he talked about this, how some people come to church. And I read this and I went, man, isn't this true? The mom with three younger kids who was frustrated because her husband had time to read the sports page while she frantically got three little obstinate children fed into their Sunday clothes, or at least clothes that weren't dirty, and ready and in the car. A little bit of resentment there, okay? <laughs> Men, we should help. Amen. We should help. The young single woman who just got a promotion and, and she, she ends up at a stoplight waiting for it to turn green, and while she's there, she's singing to herself because she just got a promotion this week. And she's thanking Jesus for it. These are people who are finding themselves getting ready and coming to church. The adolescent boy who was forced to get up. <laughs> Jeremiah. Yeah. I knew you were raising your hand. I saw it out of my periphery. Because it was the right thing to do. Right? Right? The grandmother who put on her Sunday best. You know, grandmas, they don't even ask that anymore. Should I go to church? It's, it's just a part of their nature. Because they've been doing it for so long. If I'm not in church, and honestly, and, and God bless you folks who are home. Listen, I understand you're home because you want to be safe from this virus. But when this thing is over, I hope you run to church. Because there's no better place than in person. I discovered that the last two weeks. Then there's the divorced dad who after stopping at his eight-year-old son's mother's house and he waited five minutes, he starts laying on the horn impatiently because dad wasn't getting the boy, or mom wasn't getting the boy to the door. And he wanted, like usual, he wanted not to be late. And then there's the pastor. Oh my who religiously gets up. And as soon as his feet touch the floor, he's thinking about the message that God has for him today. That's, what I, that's my world. <laughs> that's a good thing for you, though, because you know it really is, to me, one of the most important things I do. Because it feeds our spirit. God uses me to feed your spirit and mine. These are different people, but they are all trying to get to the same place, church, the building, the house of God as we like to call it. The only difference is their own story. They all have different stories. What you went through to get here today is different than what I had to go to. I had to get rid of a family before I could come to church this morning. Andy and Sarah and the two little girls. 
yeah, they, they spent the night with us to break the trip up going home. And, and so we finally got them out the door at about 8.20 and, and raced up to church. And I love that they're with us, but, you know, when you're preaching on Sunday, you want to get to church. This is where it happens. What all these people have in common, again, they each have their own stories while they're trying to go to church. They all have their own stories, and those stories add to or subtract from what they're going to receive from the Lord when they finally get here. And that's the important part. How many have experienced difficult times? Half of you are honest? Probably all of us. I don't think anybody's sitting here going, oh, it's glorious on this earth. (laughs) We've all experienced it. Yet, and, and this is where we all live by faith, right? Not by what we see with, with these, but with what, with what we see with our spirit man's eyes. We base them on God's promises. And, and I started out with Hebrews 13.5. And I, I have the whole scripture. We usually jump to the second part. But keep your lives free from the love of money and be content with what you have. Because God has said what? Ah, you sound like you're asleep. Say it one more time. Never Never will I leave you. Never will I. That should encourage you. No matter where you're planted, where your roots go down, God will never leave you. You may be in a church where you're going, man, this place is dead. Well, guess what? Maybe God's going to use you to bring life to it. Because if, if you're where God wants you to be, and this is true, God will never leave you, and he'll never forsake you, never forget who you are. If this is true, then it doesn't matter where you are, life is going to come. If you're there, there's life in you, life is going to come. Poke your neighbor and say, life is going to come. Do it, do it COVID-19-ish, though. Yeah. I liked how Pastor Deutsch, Deutsch put this. He said, he, God, will never, will never bail on us. That's a modern term, right? God will never bail on you. This is important to understand. He will never fail. Instead, he promises, for I know the plans I have for you, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you a hope and a future. Jeremiah 29, 11. I didn't put that up, but you can look it up later if you don't already know it. It is because of God's promises, like these, promises that lead us all to a better understanding of who God is and what His plan for us is. Plans to prosper us, not to harm us. Plans to give us a hope and a future. His promises should help us want to worship Him. There's no other God like our God. We need to give him the thanks even 
and especially when we find ourselves in trouble. You know, when I was a teenager, I got into... I don't even like going back there. I got myself into so much trouble. You know, I was a compulsive liar. There was always something, and I had to remember what I told this person so that when I told this other person something, it lined up with what I told that person because they knew each other. And, and this was going on my whole life as I was a youngster. And then I met Jesus, and he got rid of the liar in me. You know how much easier it is to live with yourself when you don't have to remember the untruth you told somebody last week? Because everything you're telling people today is truth. It is so much easier to live that way. Hear that from a compulsive liar. I love, the, I love my life. Because I don't have to worry about it. Romans 8, 31 and 32. What then shall we say in response to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for all of us, how will he not also along with him graciously give us all things? These are the promises that you and I need to say yes and amen to. Because they're truth. They're true. I hope you can get as excited about this as I am. So, what is worship? What is, this is a, by the way, did you notice? Those are weeds. But they're beautiful. Worship, hear this part. Worship is not about us. Say this with me, please, with energy. Worship is not about us. If we come in here thinking, the P word, pride, thinking that it's all about me, what I'm going to get out of it, what that preacher's going to, how that preacher's going to be funny today. That's my Richard Nixon. I cannot tell a lie. No, sorry, sorry. I actually liked him. I remember a lot of the pictures. Don't think it's about you. God gave his son so that you would have life and life everlasting. Jesus came so that we could have relationship with him. Just like he did with Adam and Eve in the garden. He wants that kind of relationship with you and me. Not just Sunday morning in that little hour and a half, but all week long. But when you come to church, it's kind of like the highlight. It's like the Super Bowl of the week. This is where we all come and we worship him. Because he deserves it. Because of what he's done for you and what he's done for me. And that's what the house of God is for. Like-minded, worshiping, 
And the Bible says where there is unity in his body, he is there. That's why we come to church. Hallelujah. Where was I? I'm going to jump over a little bit. We also worship the Lord because he resides in us. You know, when I was thinking about this, have you ever, how many live in a decent home? It's clean, it's nice in modern times. Have you ever been in a place, you can't even describe it with words, it was so horrendous. Maybe cockroaches or fleas or uh, smells that just repel. I remember one time we, we went, uh, we offered to help somebody clean their house. And, and I think I can get away with saying it was a blind family. They were all blind. And the dad, who was a primary caregiver, ended up in the hospital. So he wasn't there to do the things he normally did. And they had dogs among other things. And when, when we walked into this house, I wanted to run the other way. I, I almost lost it right there in the doorway. And I had to fight that and say, Lord, you brought us here today. And thank God we had help. And we went in there. I think we went through 10 gallons of bleach. And when we got done, you could actually, without passing out think about this God is in heaven in that glorious place that we read about someday we're going to be there but in the meantime what does he do he comes down here after you say yes to him and he takes up residence in these flea bitten motels We're still carnal. They're still carnal. Fleshly, this part. Yeah, you've got a spirit. And yes, your spirit is made new. But this part is still flesh. And God lives in you. It's like Him living in one of those places. And He does it, not because He likes living in one of those places, but because He loves you. Does he deserve our worship? Yes, he does. I believe he does with all my heart, all my soul. John 4.24 God is spirit and his worshipers must worship in spirit and in truth. Only spirit can commune with God's spirit. So if, if you want a relationship with the Lord, then you got to get things right. All right? You can't be a sinner with one foot in hell and another one in heaven and expect that the Holy Spirit is going to bless you and live in you. All right? If you've got stuff going on, then get it right with them for crying out loud. That's why he died for us. 
Go to the cross. Say, Jesus, forgive me and help me with whatever this thing is. If you're struggling with something, get help. You know, it's okay to go to a counselor. Hello? My wife and I have done it more than once. And we got help. What? You went to a pastor? You pastors went to a counselor? Yes, we did. In both experiences, two different people, they both helped us. And don't be thinking all kinds of nasty stuff. I wonder why they went to the counselor. It doesn't matter. I'm trying to tell you that if you need help, find it. Come to us. Say, hey, I need some help. I got this going on. Can you help me? And you know, sometimes just knowing somebody's in your corner helps. And we'll pray with you. And we'll pray for you. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Jesus spoke of this miraculous joining together just before he ascended into heaven. He told his disciples that after he left, the Holy Spirit would come, take up residence in them. And he does the same for you and me today. He said he will be your counselor. He will be your ever-present help in times of trouble. I come to church to worship the Lord for living in me and for being my constant helper. If for no other reason, that's good enough right there. Because God loves you. And he wants that kind of a relationship with you. This was a, a little bit deeper, but it was something that author and pastor Richard J. Foster wrote. And he said this, and I have it up behind me. Worship is our response to the overtones of love from the heart of the Father. So what we're getting from Him, it's just like His love is just pouring into us. It is kindled within us only when the Spirit of God touches our human spirit. Our spirit must be ignited by the divine fire. When spirit touches spirit, the issue of forms is wholly secondary. It's, it's not about what's going on around us. It's what's going on in us. When God touches our spirit with his Holy Spirit, it often leads to one falling on his or her knees in worship. I said earlier, I was going to share a little bit about my friend Alan, who we put in the ground Monday. Alan lived 60 years, and I can say he lived for Jesus. It was awesome to do his funeral because I knew him. One night, and this was many years ago, we had an evening service back when they used to have evening services. And the Holy Spirit was rich in the place, and I'm telling you, you could feel it in the air. And Alan, he had severe MS from childhood, and he walked with crutches. That never stopped him, by the way. But every time he got a chance, he would come up for healing. People pray for him. And that particular Sunday night, I was up in the front, and I was trying to receive myself. 
and I saw Alan come up, and, and the pastor did one of those like this. He didn't even touch him <laughs> in, in like a whole, whole group of people. <laughs> well, most of them had what we called catchers, ushers who were back behind them and gently putting them down on the ground. And I heard this terrible noise. <laughs> and I turned around, and it was Alan's head hitting the pew arm, which were these great big wooden things. And then he dropped to the floor. Now, I'm freaking out. I'm like, first thing I looked for was blood. I didn't see blood. And then I made sure he was still breathing because, I mean, honestly, I wasn't sure if he knocked himself out. He was breathing. So then what I do, I just, reluctantly, I just stepped back and I, I just prayed for him. I interceded for him. About 20 minutes, seemed like forever, but about 20 minutes went on. And finally I saw him start to stir and he began to sit up. And I went over to him and I said, Alan, are you all right? And he gets this funny look on his face, big old grin. He goes, are you kidding me? That was awesome. And I looked at him and I said, Alan, does your head hurt? He goes, no. No, why? And I explained to him what, what had happened. And that, that man, as hard as he hit that chair on that pew, didn't feel a thing. And he had an experience with his God. He was different after that. Anybody else ever experienced that? Not necessarily the head cracking part, but. God wants that for you. It doesn't have to happen here at the altar. It can. We hope it does. It can happen in your car. We had a brother that was saying he was worshiping the Lord one day, driving down the road in his van, and all of a sudden he realized that he was under the influence of the Holy Spirit. And he was doing this. <laughs> he pulled over because he was smart enough to do that. I would recommend to you as well, if you're ever under the influence of the Holy Ghost that severely, pull over. Because the officer, the trooper, is not going to understand you when you say, oh, I've been drunk in the Spirit. You're going to jail. Unless they get hit with it. I like that kind of thinking. As Foster said, when God's Spirit touches our spirit, it leads us into the frame of mind where we just want to worship Him. Because when we're worshiping, we realize it ain't about us. It's all about Him. Hallelujah. So as I begin to wrap up this, this message this week, be the weed. Obviously the W stands for worship. I wanted to read this quickly from Revelation 5, and I'm going to start with uh, verse 6. 
This is the Apostle John. He's found himself banished to the island of Patmos. He's nearing a hundred. He's an old man, all right? They already tried to kill him. How many? Three times, I think. And did he succeed? Because his roots were planted deep and God had something for him to do yet. What was it? To write the book of Revelation. Revelation 5, 6 and forward, and this is the NLT. When I saw a lamb that looked as if it had been slaughtered, but it was now standing before the throne, I'm sorry, between the throne and the four living beings and among the 24 elders, he had seven horns and seven eyes which represent the sevenfold Spirit of God that is sent out into every part of the earth. So we're talking about Jesus. All right? He's the only one that could open this seal. He stepped forward and he took the scroll from the right hand of the one sitting on the throne. And when he took the scroll, the four living beings and 24 elders fell down before the Lamb. Capital L. Each one had a harp. And they held gold bowls filled with incense, which are the prayers of God's people. God remembers your prayers. Don't ever think that it isn't worth it. He isn't hearing us. Heaven is brass. Nonsense. This says right here that there's a, a bowl that's filled. And once that bowl is filled, what's it do? It spills over. And they sang a new song with these words. Are you ready for this? You are worthy to take the scroll and break its seals and open it. For you were slaughtered and your blood has ransomed people for God from every tribe and language and people and nation. And you have caused them to become a kingdom of priests for our God. You see, only priests can really go into the inner sanctuary, into the holy of holies and worship Him. And thanks to Jesus Christ, the Lamb of God who took away the sins of the world, thanks to His willingness, you and I can today become priests for Him. We are a kingdom of priests for God and they will reign on the earth. Are you reigning? I don't mean R-A-I-N. I'm talking about R-E-I-G-N. Are you reigning? Who reigns? Paupers? In a kingdom, who reigns? Royalty reigns. You, my friends, are supposed to reign on this earth. Can anybody else get excited? Verse 11, then I looked again. I love this. And I heard the voices. Listen to the, listen to the numbers here. Of thousands and millions of angels. Of th- Can you get that picture in your head? Of thousands and millions. That's a whole bunch of angels, folks. And of the living beings and the elders. And they sang this mighty chorus. Worthy is the Lamb who was slaughtered to receive power and riches and wisdom and strength 
and honor and glory and blessing. And here's where we come in. And then I heard every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth and in the sea and they sang blessing and honor and glory and power belong to the one sitting on the throne and to the Lamb forever and ever. Hallelujah! That's what it means to worship Him. In the last verse, 14, it says, And the four living beings said, Amen. And the 24 elders fell down and worshiped the Lamb. Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Would you stand? God is so good to us. We don't deserve it. None of us do. But He chooses to develop this relationship with us. He chooses to give up that place that He's comfortable with heaven, the throne to come and inhabit our praise in these sometimes stinky, skanky tents that we live in. The flesh. <laughs> we, we need to be thankful because some of us really stink. Guess what though? God's in the business of cleaning up your stink. And he does that, not because you deserve it, but because he loves you. And he wants you to be with him forever. It starts right here. Ted said that over and over last week. This isn't something that happens in heaven. It happens now if you let him in. But you have to accept what he did for you on the cross. Confess your sin to him. And let Him restore you. Let Him graft you into His kingdom. So with every head bowed, and, and maybe you're at home. I don't want to leave anybody out. Maybe you're at home and, and you know that you're not right yet with God. But you want to be. I want to pray with you. Please, heads bowed, eyes closed. If you're here today and you'd say, Pastor, I'd like you to pray with me. I'm not going to embarrass anybody, but I, I just want to see where you're at so I know who I'm praying for. If you're here today and you say, please pray for me, I'm not right with the Lord, but I know I need to be. Just lift your hand up real quick so I can see it. Yep, yep. Anybody else? You can put them down. Yep. Anybody else? Thank you. Many hands gone up. And I, I'm assuming that out of the families who are watching us at home, some of you are in the same place. And if this is you, please... Just pray this. I'm going to ask you to pray with me. And pray this prayer from your heart today. And listen, it's not about joining a church. It's about joining the kingdom of God. It's about letting Jesus have his way with you. And, and 
When you say yes to Jesus, when you ask Him to forgive you of your sins, listen, it may not happen immediately, but you're going to notice a change in you. But it takes time. You're going to be changed immediately by the blood of the Lamb. We call it being born again. But the rest of it, that fight with the flesh, it goes on until you're in heaven. And that's where you need the strength of God and His promises. That's why you need the church. You need a local body where you can plug in and put, put your roots down so that you don't lose your balance or get plucked out. And I'm going to pray with you. And I'm going to ask all of the family here who are already born again to pray with us because that's what we do. You ready for this? Pray this with me. Heavenly Father, I give a shout to Jesus today. Thank you, Jesus, for dying for me, for shedding your blood for this person. So today, I take advantage of that. Forgive me of my sins, wash me clean. And make me a new person. I confess my sins to you today and the fact that I want to live for you all the days I have left on this earth. I love you. Now help me to worship you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Hallelujah. 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 When I did that funeral on Monday, I had about as many hands go up there as I did here. And I said this, I said, the angels in heaven are rejoicing because one one is now in their names written in the Lamb's Book of Life. One person is now born again. There were many that that prayed that today. Alan was rejoicing. <laughs> he, he affectionately was called Pal L. Kids called him Pal L. Hallelujah. So here's what I want you to do now. Worship Him. Don't just think, all right, I'm done. Go home. Look for opportunities to worship. When you help somebody, you're worshiping Him. When you pray for somebody, you're worshiping Him. When you get on your face where nobody sees you, and you just start thanking Him for what He's done in your life, you're worshiping Him. You want to move the hand of God, start worshiping Him. You want to run the devil off, and we're going to talk about this more later, worship Him. I heard the amen in the back. That means Pastor Barb saying, I'm done. No, that's not what you meant today. Usually it is. <laughs> Father God, we thank You again for this family of believers who have put their trust in you. 
And Lord, even in the midst of this pandemic, we are encouraged. Lord, we are filled with life and life in abundance. Now help us as we go out of here to share that hope that we have with those who have none. Lord, help us to be carriers of the mighty God, the Holy Spirit, who can change people's lives forever. We've got it. We've already got it. May we not be selfish and keep it to ourselves. And may we remember, Lord, it's not about us. It's always about you. King Jesus, mighty God, Prince of Peace. We love you. Keep everybody safe, Lord, as we travel this week. Get us home safe today. Help us be a blessing to others. In Jesus' name. Everybody said amen. God bless you. Look forward to seeing you next week.